Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. My name is Sykes and this is my podcast. Before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode. If you're one of those people, I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for coming back. But for everyone out there who's new to the show, welcome. Feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Today, I am joined by my friend, Jeff Fieldhouse. He is a stand-up comedian and a fellow podcast host. His show is the Babyface Assassin Podcast. If it sounds familiar, maybe that's because I was a guest on his show uh, sometime last year, I think. I don't remember the exact date. Doesn't really matter. But Jeff is a killer guy, a lot of fun to talk to, and I think you're going to enjoy today's conversation. So with all that being said, I'm going to shut the hell up so we can get into my conversation with my friend, Jeff Fieldhouse. Enjoy. I feel like nobody cares about the intro. People are just here because they have nothing else better to listen to <laughs> or they know you. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the dynamic. Mm-hmm. Nobody's listening to this for me right now. <laughs> so... <laughs> Well, and it's, Jeff, it's, I, I think the intro you, is kind of just a highway billboard where you're hoping people will see, but it's yeah. the one we're looking at our phones. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, what am I? Subscribe to my Patreon. This is Jeff. That's the intro. How are you, man? Fuck yeah. Well, no, I, I feel like intros are really like, it, it's funny you say that. The past like five to 10 episodes of my podcast, I stopped doing with the person like, hey, welcome to this episode. And I'll just start like after the intro, I'll have like a little preview and then it will just jump right into the conversation. Yeah. Like you said, I feel like I'm wasting time. You know, like people are there and do they really want to sit through what the title already says? Like who the person is? I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't think they do. I, I, yeah, I don't know. So Jeff, Jeff Fieldhouse of the Babyface Assassin podcast. Yes, sir. And of Jeff Fieldhouse, the stand up comedian yeah. and human being on planet Earth. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I like your setup. It's yeah. Like- thank you for being here. So why? Did you hit me up of all people on planet earth Mm -hmm. to come on my podcast? What's the goal today? What do we want to talk about? Or is it just to hang out? Well, that's the thing I was talking to my significant other, Danielle. And uh, the thing I like about your podcast and I watched like the Britney one last is you guys talked all about roller coasters and I like Britney's music. So I went into it before knowing that Uh (laughs) once I saw it was all about roller coasters. I was like, fuck yes. Cause that's one of my favorite things with podcasts like that. I feel like on so many podcasts, when an artist goes on, they either want to like tell a specific story or get something out of it. But I I was telling Danielle, I was like, I like how his podcast is like kind of off the wall. She's like, what do you think you're going to talk about? And I was like, that's kind of cool. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And I think that's like a genuine conversation. And when I had you on the podcast, we had a really cool conversation. You were a nice guy. And whenever you left, it's like when you meet artists, it's like it shows you like their vibe. And it's like, I'll see you when I see you. So even though podcast now, it's, it kind of stinks, but it's like a nice way to get a hang in, especially during like quarantine. So yeah, I kind of just wanted to talk. Yeah. I feel like the things tend to go smoother. At least I'm happier doing a podcast. That's about nothing <laughs> because if it's not, if I don't know, sometimes like last week's episode was with my friend, Jerry Mulligan. And we got like real in the weeds about like some deep stuff regarding like how local music scenes work like socially and politically and like what is good ethics and good manners and good practices and like it's tight to have those conversations i think a lot of people got some good value out of that conversation and if you're one of those people 
Hey, hallelujah. But like, I'm also like my life all the time is having those thoughts. Yeah. So if I can have an hour or two to hang out like with my friend, like Brittany and just Mm -hmm. talk about roller coasters, I'm like, this is more (laughs) valuable for me personally because Mm -hmm. I am just so exhausted because my brain is 24 seven on all the other stuff. Definitely. But like also the goal of my podcast is to help like other artists and like share stories so people can hopefully take something and, you know, apply it to their lives to make things easier, Mm -hmm. you know, then you got to have the serious conversations, but it's also really important. I think to let artists and creatives know that it's okay to do nothing. Yeah. Like it's okay (laughs) to fuck off and give time to yourself. Yeah, because like the, the good old yeah. Seinfeld method. Like, okay, you want to have a podcast about nothing, buddy? As soon as you said that, I started like, ba-ding, ba-ding, ba-ding. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, dude! But no, I, I think that's the one thing where anytime you make art, like I think anytime my best stand-up jokes that I like was trying the least hard and I just thought were kind of funny, those hit the hardest with the crowd. Same with episodes where I would plan so hard about certain questions, those ones would barely get any views, and the episodes that kind of went off like conversations end up getting the most. So I feel like the more that you just kind of try to make something for yourself and what you're doing, I think that's the best chance that people are going to like see that you're interested. Cause I feel like there's such a like fine thing with people seeing if you're trying to be like a host and you're just like kind of send the the conversation somewhere. Cause a lot of time I will listen to podcasts like while I'm doing dishes or while I'm like working out, I'll be doing other shit. So I like the tennis conversation of everything. I don't like to have to go back and see if I missed a gem while I'm trying to listen to that. But when I am ready for those episodes, I'll dive in. So no, I think what you're doing is sick. Cause you're like breaking that layer of like what you think, what other people want. You're doing exactly what Brian wants. You know? Yeah. I think it's really important. And you know, as a fellow podcaster, mm-hmm. podcast host, podcasty, whatever, yeah. <laughs> uh, have you, you've been doing the show now for a while. You broke a hundred episodes, yeah. correct? Mm-hmm. So that's quite a commitment. Congratulations yeah, you, on sir. that. Um, are you somebody that always reaches out to guests or do you have a lot of people reach out to you as well? See, the thing that I'm horrible with is it's both. Like I have a set lineup with each month. I said, who are like four or five people that I keep seeing popping up on my friends' feeds or I keep like figuring out. Cause once you get into different like niches and stuff in Pittsburgh, yep. you start seeing different people's faces. And you're like, who the fuck is this person? Mm-hmm. And you want to talk to them. So I'll have that set list. And then more people will start hitting you up once their friends do it or like an artist does it. And their friend who's an artist will be like, oh, I'm going to hit them up and say, I want to do the podcast. And something I've had to learn recently is just like saying, I'll let you know or no. Cause at first I would just always say yes, because dude, I, I'm not a dick. Like I'm not fucking someone who thinks that I have this huge platform where I'm like, let me know what you have to come on. So when I say no, I would be so in my head, but then that's when like I was talking to Danielle and she was just kind of saying like, well, why are you doing this for other people? Cause at the end of the day, like you're not even doing them a favor. Cause you're going into it with like a little bit of resentment. Cause you like didn't set it up naturally. She's like, let them know like, Hey, we're booked for at least a month. Cause we are, I'll check out your stuff and I'll hit you up. And after a while, they're not going to keep pressing you, but dude, I'm an overthinker. Like I, I yeah. for the rest of the time, as soon as I say no to someone, I'm in my head, like, well, they're going downtown hall saying Jeff's a piece of shit saying no, you know, yeah. it, th- that was a hard balance. But I think now naturally it's just more of, I, I like that. I got that advice. Cause now I can just be like, I'll let you know. And if it naturally comes up, I, th- I feel like shit will happen. You yeah. Know? You know, you know, it's really funny. And, uh, so I'm always happy, you know, when people reach out to be on the show, Yeah, but it's hard because it's happened multiple times where somebody comes on the show that I don't know 
And once they get here, it's very clear that they have no idea what the show is. Yeah, they haven't watched any of it. Yeah, you know, they just want to be on a podcast. Mm -hmm. And I respect the hustle as a fellow creator, but it does create that resentment, Mm -hmm. you know? And the hard thing about it that makes it even more difficult is that I've had some episodes with people that I've never met that have been great. Like I've made awesome friends with people that just hit me up out of nowhere that you wouldn't expect yeah you're going out to dinner we're like what the fuck so like it's hard for me to want to say no to everybody Mm. but time is very limited you know it's like there's only 50 something weeks in a year and if i'm doing one episode a week if i'm lucky and i got you know five people hit me up in a week it's like this is impossible to Mm. manage so i'm always excited when people like you pop up that have a show that's very similar to mine mm. because if somebody has been on your show already <laughs> that I don't know, yeah. I don't even bother because it's like, we're going to have the same conversation. Yeah. You've already done this with <laughs> Jeff yeah. and like, feel free to do the vice versa. Yeah, I, I hope, I hope <laughs> yeah, but it is funny because we are just trying to have like just a creative conversation yeah. just of why the fuck they do that. But it is funny. And I hope <laughs> now I hope I'm like, fuck, I'm going to run past some people like who you having on next just so, we're in lab. <laughs> but there has been times where, like me, you and Eric McKenna have all had like the same episode on a Monday yeah. <laughs> and we all drop on Monday. Uh-huh. So that's the other thing. We both drop on Mondays and there has been a Monday like where I think it was like god hates unicorns or something where you both dropped the same exact day (laughs) and it's just one of those things where it's like like you said it's so similar but then again it's different because i feel like the demographic that you're in is that i'm the past two to three years i've been in the pittsburgh scene with mainly comedy just getting on music you've been in the pittsburgh scene and you have a lot of people who have friends that own companies so you're on a different realm i would like to say that like I'm the cool, like, younger brother who, like, like is kind of doing the thing. And then you're the podcast I feel like is kind of setting the standard, you know? So I feel like it has some way to go, but I would just never want you to see that I had someone on and be like, fuck, because I definitely see a, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, a, a uh, big enough difference. But it is funny that you said that. I, I, was, I, was, I was making a yuck, yeah, you know? I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a, com- a comedian. Well, I'm we, not a comedian. Well, no, no, yeah. Do it for the yucks. One thing I, I did want to say, though, is that it is funny when you have someone on and I had someone come on and they said like, yeah, the face podcast that's sick. So when's your first episode coming out? And I was like, I'm on episode like 30, dude. And then you'll drop the episode. They won't post about it. And then like a month later, they'll do like one picture. And I'm like, well, why'd you hit me up about that? Like, that's another thing where a lot of people will hit you up to do the podcast. And then after we'll just give the little to zero, like, thanks for doing it. Or even like promotion to where mm-hmm. that taught me with my energy where it's like, well, that's exactly why you can't say yes to everyone. Where you just yeah. little like fire burnings to where it's like, I know you might say podcast, but for most people that edit it, you put a lot of hours into it. And when you're doing that and you're setting up stuff for people and they kind of just like blow you off, it's like, well, this is why I kind of like to keep it my own little thing. Well, I know? think that that's the problem with dealing with, uh, like up and coming artists and I've gone through this and a big part of why I started a podcast was because the first podcast I was ever on was terrible, not because of the host, but because of me, (laughs) I was not good at talking to people. And after they posted it, I was almost like embarrassed to share it because I felt like it was a poor representation of myself. In hindsight, it was probably totally fine and I'm just overthinking. But again, we're artists. That's what we do. And I think that sometimes when you have these people on, I've learned to really empathize with a lot of the people that come on my show have never been 
in a situation like this, mm. especially when I had the studio, cause it was like kind of more professional looking, like you're coming yeah. to a building and there's lights and cameras and microphones. And it's, it could be a lot for your people, yeah. especially people that are hitting me up that don't look at what they're doing and they don't even realize it's a video podcast. That's yeah. happened multiple times where, uh, you know, we're supposed to start at two o'clock, but we don't end up starting till two forty-five because they're in the bathroom fixing makeup and doing things. <laughs> they didn't think it was a video podcast. It's like, well, you hit me up. Yeah. How did you find out about this if you missed the video? Mm. But I'm getting off track. What well, the main point I'm trying to make is like a lot of people have never done anything like this before, yeah. so you kind of have to understand that like maybe they don't know how to promote it mm. properly. Then like. I don't know. Uh, I can empathize with it to some degree, but I am, uh, I'm creeping up on episode 400 wow. of my show. And uh, as much as I validate and support young and upcoming talent, there gets to a point where I'm kind of like, I think I'm done talking to people that like, don't know what they're doing or working with people that aren't going to help me build. Mm -hmm. Because I wonder if I wouldn't have put so much time helping others and like being more selfish, mm -hmm. would I be better off? Like yeah. that's some deep shit yeah. not to go down a dark no, rabbit definitely. hole, but it's like a question that I do ask myself mm -hmm. a lot where it's, it is one of those things where it's like, you're in a dead end job working at a place where you know, you're comfortable and then years go by and you're like, damn, if I would have just like left and challenged myself, where would I have been? Sure. And, and you get a lot of that feeling when you're doing it, you know, like you, like you said, once a week, you just try to put it out. And sometimes like I'm happy now to where, once I had a break, I did like a bunch in a row so I could kind of pick and choose which ones I did. But early on, like you're just trying to get an episode in that week and that's when you can not get the best thing. And that's one of those things where for each podcast, you obviously get anxious, but I'm like, dude, you're lucky to do this. You're doing this because you're choose to do this. So like if you're putting this out and you just are just willing to put out an episode, like there was only one Monday I missed because it was like, it wasn't a good episode. I was rushing shit and it was just me talking. And I'm like, this isn't even a representation of like what I want to put out. And it was a lot of what you like, what you said, where you're just overthinking. We're like, who am I even doing this for at this point? Where it kind of made me switch kind of what I wanted my angle to be. And then looking at podcasts like yours and like McKenna's and just a lot of people like my friend, um, Mike Seidel, who has Greenfield's Finest too. Like he found a way to really incorporate himself into his podcast like when i listen to it it's literally mike when i see him in person and that's so hard to do with like social media like i know i'm a young kid and it should come natural for me to be able to like put myself on the internet but i feel awkward as fuck even like out to dinner lifting my phone up for a selfie i just hear someone going loser so i, I yeah i've never been the selfie guy i've always been the guy in the corner and i'm like look at the confidence of this selfie taker like i do not have it and so that's where like putting myself and doing a pre-recorded intro i've tried it and i've deleted it because i'm like i sound like the kdk news host like today we have uh -huh. what the fuck am i doing you know yeah so, yeah I i've definitely caught myself having my like podcast voice and it's funny when like people call me on it in person like <laughs> yeah. friends and shit but it's like again it's like you know it's showbiz baby yeah. you gotta give them a little <laughs> bit of something right yeah. and like as a as a fellow performer you know with your stand-up and mm -hmm. things like that do you feel like when you're on stage doing comedy that like you have the same exact demeanor that you have in your day-to-day -day, or do you feel like it's like elevated slightly yeah you have to hype it up yeah, I mean, you literally just have to. Well, and it just—it's the energy and nerves of going on stage. But there's like, 
No, man, you can't. Because on a day-to-day basis, I'm pretty fucking mellow and boring. Like Totally. I'm not really even doing that. And most of the jokes are in my head to where I'm like, huh. It's not like I'm saying them out loud with like yuck ups Like when I'm hanging out with my friends, that's probably whenever I feel like I'm more like high school Jeff to where you'll see some stand-up. Uh-huh. But when you go on stage, you have to add like a little bit of charisma, but it learned a lot to where when I first started, I thought like it was energy. But instead, it's like, no, you just have to seem like you like the joke. Like you're excited to say it. And there was a huge difference from like forced energy that's like cringy as fuck versus me just like happy smiling. Cause you know, when someone has a good joke or your friend sees something at like someone walks past in the mall and you and your friends look at each other and he's already smiling, you just get excited to hear like what he's going to say. You know? Sure. And that, that's something where I had to learn on stage where I just had to like go up there excited and with a little bit of like that. And that's where I like going up and hitting them with like a quick one liner. Cause that's the biggest thing with going on stage is as soon as you get the first laugh, it's just like, all right, here we go. It's like Thanksgiving dinner. You can take off the belt and you're like, now I'm comfortable. But until then, it's like you're walking into a high school now and I'd get judged every second. Yeah, I think that there's an interesting thing that happens when you know, you're know you on stage and you are coming from a more uh, introverted background where like it takes a long time to learn how to like generate an authentic presence on a stage because it's like tapping into something that you're not used to (laughs) much like that, like the selfie taker. Yeah. Like, you know, but I also like don't want to be that person all the time, but I want to be able to harness that energy when it's necessary. Yeah. Because I like, I hate sometimes whenever like, you know, maybe sometimes on I'm around friends and like we get into a conversation you know, I have people be like, Oh, what is this a fucking podcast now? (laughs) And like, it's like, I don't want people to expect me to always have some like deep thing to say about whatever we're talking about. Maybe in the same way where like, you might not like, I'm sure there are people that are like, so tell me a joke or like, Mm -hmm. they're always expecting you maybe to be funny in one way or another. And it's like, these are like separating two different, like finding that, that's that balance between, who I am as a person and what I do creatively. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously it's tied together. Yeah. But that's like all looping back around to like the beginning of this conversation and talking about like that roller coaster podcast with yeah. Brittany Chantel. It's like, you know, me and I mean, Brittany Chantel is somebody that certainly has a lot to say about oh, yeah. a lot of things. And I think it was really cool to record that episode. Cause I think a lot of people, um, you know, are expecting to hear, you know, more deep stories and maybe more like social and politically conscious things coming from Brittany and all that stuff's great to talk Mm -hmm. about, but it's fun to like, you know, kind of push that to the side for a bit and just be like normal and kind of like boring and lame, but great. Mm. You know? Yeah. Cause you never see both sides. It's like, you only see like the, the extreme. There's no middle ground for like, what you know as people until you actually meet them. And that Britney episode just made it seem like it's almost like you just set up like that Logitech camera like I would in high school and you just had to record it while you and your friends were just fucking around in the room. Yeah. Know? Like you guys are just watching videos. And yeah, man, I, I think that's the ultimate goal. People just want to hear a cool conversation. Like it was one of the funniest pictures when I first started listening to podcasts where it's like a picture of a lady on a bench and on the bench it's like a picture of like three girls talking and she's laughing with them. It's like how you feel when you're Uh, on the podcast. Because you literally be like, haha, and look in your car and you're in traffic Uh and you're just like, oh shit. So, you know, Jeff, yeah, outside of the podcast and outside of your Mm stand-up, who or what is 
a Jeff Field house. Like a Pokemon? Like what are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, not an NFT, damn it. If you were an item on a fast food menu, what would you be? Well, now you're just going to have me picking what I'd want in a fast food menu if I could create my own burger, which I have thought about it. Okay. So I think it'd be a burger. Okay. Uh, medium to medium. Well. The field house. That sounds yeah. good. Definitely the field house. I mean, you said it and it's already named after most like college sports buildings. Uh-huh. It's pretty cool, which I, I didn't know until late. But no, if I had to pick a sandwich, it would be a burger. Um, be jalapenos, applewood bacon, buffalo cheddar cheese, and you just have to go with a mango habanero jam. Okay. Okay. Now, do you want this to be like just a burger or do you want to do like the field house meal? Like no, what would the side be? I, I feel like you have to do, I feel like just the burger. Cause a lot of the times, most people, when you see meals, and I go to the place where it's like the Mac daddy, it's $20. It's $14.99. It rounds up to 20. Let's get the burger as a starter. You always know the side hitters are there. You know, I, I want my, I want it to be, I want it to be there. Okay. Yeah. All right. So outside of everything that you do, <laughs> yeah. you enjoy burgers. Yeah. Burgers what else are, are you into? Uh, I really like biking. Which okay. I, I, it was the start of quarantine once like stand up stopped and all that, which dude, it was wild. Cause like I was doing an all art show every month with my friend Ty. Yeah. And then I just got into my first comedy festival here in Pittsburgh. And like there's levels, especially when you're an artist where like you put little things on your, on your belt notch. Like when you're starting to do it in your first comedy festival, especially in your own, like w- where you grew up is definitely a huge notch. And it was like the week that that was happening, COVID happened. <laughs> so all that canceled, all our show got canceled. The podcast, we had to go on zoom. So that was like, everything was taken away. And I realized like, Dude, what the fuck do I like? Because I would get off work. I would instantly go to an open mic. And if not an open mic, I would schedule a podcast for that night. I would hang out with my girlfriend the other nights. And then on the weekend, I would work as a server. And then I would have a show that night. So it's like, once all that was taken away, I literally felt like a little kid where it's just like, what do I do besides Xbox? Like, besides like my machine of creating that. And so I wanted to figure something out. And I started biking. And I realized I lived right by like a trail that takes you right into downtown. Yeah, And as a kid, like go, driving into downtown or like going into Southside, my mom and dad are like, that's going to take 45 fucking minutes. We're not going there. So it's not like, it's not, we're, we're, I never went to that part of town. So me on a bike that I can reach all these spots I've never been, I'm like, what the fuck? And you feel like you're six again, dude. I don't know what about a bike and just riding downtown. And it really was good like therapy, you know, because so many times I would put on a podcast and just do a bunch of other shit, but I didn't like having headphones in. So it would be like two hours of just, me like talking to your brain which for a person with depression anxiety it's just like oh yeah do i just want to be in a room with my brain for like two hours while on a bike that's going to ruin the bike ride i need to toss on music but it really like helped a lot and what's made me like get into therapy and i used to go to therapy when i was in high school and i've always wanted to it was one of those things with stand up i was like i won't have the time for this but i really made me incorporate the time where i was like oh if i can go biking if i can go these open mics I can do an hour therapy session to start talking about some of these shit. And it really like, I I wasn't happy about the pause, but I am happy about something that the pause shined a light on, you know, which it's just like, Oh, I was like using comedy and using the podcast almost as like my outlet for the therapy and depression when I should be using that as like an opposite. It should be like almost like a Gatorade. I shouldn't be using it just to feel good and even out, you know? And then after a while, I feel like that's how you resent it. That's why I was doing three podcasts a week. That's why I was doing all the open mics and at a point not having as fun as I could have. And now that like I feel like my cup is full personally, 
going back to stand-up, I did a show recently, and I was in the green room not worrying about other people talking shit on me, not like doing all these other things that were fighting myself, and I was actually able to enjoy the moment. So I was like, holy fuck. So yeah, like in a roundabout way, biking and like uh, a little bit of meditation. I, I'll say like before bed, I'll do it. I always fall asleep, but that's something I do need to get better at. But I feel like biking is my meditation. I feel like meditation is just something where if you can just shut everything off and focus on a thought or that, I feel like that's like my type of meditation, you know? Cool. Yeah, that makes sense to me because it's a very, uh, it's it's a very like, you know, yang to the yin of what the rest of your life is, mm-hmm. which, you know, doing the podcast, entertainment uh, in general, it could be very chaotic. It requires a lot of interaction with other people, a lot of noise and static, and yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things going on. So it's interesting that, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is like, well, what else are you into? It's like, oh, I just fucking off by myself yeah. on my bike and just kind of, <laughs> you know, getting lost in the sauce. Yeah. In terms of getting into the comedy scene, because I haven't had very many comedians on the podcast. Um, what was it like, or what's it been like in terms of like interacting with other comedians? Because mm. I can never like get the, it seems from an outsider's perspective that like it is unbelievably clicky, like so much more clicky than any music scene I've ever been involved in. <laughs> but maybe that's just because again, I'm an outsider and maybe I'm looking at it the wrong way. Yeah. What's it like getting into a local comedy scene, at least in Pittsburgh? Well, I'll, I'll answer the clicky part first, just because I have always compared it to with music scenes because I, uh, I went to film school and that's where I started stand up and I would record a lot of music videos for rappers and I would start doing stand-up shows with the music shows to like start try stand-up. And that's where I got to see how clicky music was. But I think what separates stand-up from being more clicky than music is at the end of the day, a lot of musicians need the other musician for like a studio or for a feature or for a friend that they have. When a lot of stand-up is just like just you showing up to the show and reaching out to the booker. So I feel like they cut that fake niceness because you don't need a lot of those other outside sources. That's very fucking interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah. And And I think that's why it's more of a lone wolf thing with music. You can't really like burn that many bridges with stand-up. There's a lot of people. There was a comedy club and uh called burning bridges in pittsburgh which is sick but uh but yeah it's one of those things where you can't burn that many bridges but in stand-up there's a lot of guys that burn bridges but funny's funny and they'll book you if you can bring it out but with music it's different but in the scene i would say it's like this because i started stand-up six years ago in florida when i went to film school and no one knew me it was awesome because i got to like eat a bag of dicks for like three years and then three years ago i came back to pittsburgh and that's when i started doing it here and i was lucky enough to have like a solid five minutes to where whenever I'd go to an open mic, I was new, but I was also funny. So it was very like clicky. People didn't talk to me, but as soon as you are like at a good open mic and you have a few good jokes and someone's like, Hey, you're funny. And you get introduced to someone else. I feel like that's when the change starts happening. I feel like that's with everything though. Like when you play in a sports team, you take a good shot. They're like, Hey, what's up, man? You want to go out like out with the team after it's just one of those things where you kind of have to prove yourself because there's just so much of it, you know, but it's hard at first because your ego will get shattered. Like, for example, I had Derek Minto on. I don't know if you know who he is. Yeah, he's been on my show too. Derek's awesome. But my first encounter with Derek, so when I first moved back to Pittsburgh, um, I really didn't have a place to stay. I was staying with Danielle's mom because I just wanted to get out of Florida and I wanted to start comedy here. And uh, I was staying at like with her mom and then I would stay up Slippery Rock with her on the weekends. 
And so it was just hard to come down for open mics because I'm staying up Slippery Rock and I wasn't really going that much. And then I saw there was a Pittsburgh comedy competition and I applied, didn't hear anything. And then like randomly on a Friday, they said, the competition's tonight. Someone dropped out. Do you want to go in? I was like, fuck yeah. So I did the competition and the hosts were like a couple local comics and I did well. I placed third. It was a couple different, like a couple different positions, but it was within like 30 people. So it was cool. And from that in the green rooms, I got to like meet more comics and they're like, Oh, you should come to Hambones. Oh, you should go to Papa D's. Like kind of going through there. So it gave me some confidence. And like a week later I go to Hambones and it's a Monday night and it's like Derek and all of like the, the, comics in the scene that are like doing it that have shows to where you just don't want to look like a schmuck in front of them and i walked in and i like go to sign up and derek just turns around and you know derek he has a big big voice mm -hmm. and he's just like oh look it's the kid that only does competitions <laughs> and dude when i tell you my dick turtle shelled into my body like hammer's is small already dude uh -huh. and like everyone in the room just like looks and that's your first impression. Like that's what you're thinking. You're talking clicky, like uh -huh. competition kid. And I'm just like, uh, and the reason why I hurt is like, he's not wrong. Like I, like I wasn't going to Mike's and I did do a competition and I think that's why it hurt the most. And I was like, fuck you in the moment. And like one of the guys that was hosting the competition, John Dick winners was there and he was just like, no man, he, he's a cool kid. And we, I signed up on the list and from that night on, once I started coming out to the mics and I booked more, me and Derek, we laughed about it because it was a really funny thing. But he was like, yeah, man, it's one of those things in comedy. Like, you had a young face. You did a competition. You're walking in all confident. He's like, I just want to put you down a peg. Yeah. But I, I honestly kind of needed it because it really did. that. Like, that's something in Florida that I had a lot to where, like, my first open mic went horrible. And as a joke on stage, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to kill myself after this. And, like, a guy in the bar goes, you definitely should. And like, <laughs> dude, I'm just sitting in my car crying as like a 19 year old. Like, what the fuck am I doing? Like, what are you doing? And then to have that as like my first moment back in Hambones. But I think it showed that I liked what I was doing and I wanted to do it because I kept coming back and it went well. But it's just one of those things where it happens all the time. And that's where the name of the podcast, The Babyface Assassin, like was starting comedy young and with hanging out with older people all the time. It would just always be that thing where it would be the babyface, so they judge. And I would just have to kind of like assassinate all that bullshit to make sure. it through, like into all that shit. And it just keeps following me. But it ends up making like some of the best friendships because you kind of do break that bullshit. You, you know? know, I think that that makes a lot of sense. And you've been able to articulate that in a much better way than anybody else I've ever asked that question to. And maybe it is just because like you're like still relatively young compared to other people I've talked to about this. Cause mm -hmm. like I've had people like, like John Dick Winters has been on the show yeah. and Derek Mento has been on the show and Dave Bracey has been on the show. And like all of those people have already been doing comedy for like well over a decade yeah. at the time when I mm -hmm. talked to them. So like they don't give a shit about answering questions like that. Yeah. But like, I totally get where they're coming from. Yeah. And I almost wish there was some of that in the local music scene. It's kind of like a, they give a shit about making sure the talent is worthy of the stage time. Whereas in local music scenes, everybody's kind of that fake nice to each other because yeah. everybody, like you said, so eloquently, everybody in the music scene does sometimes need something from somebody else. Cause like people in the music scene, especially in Pittsburgh are all very nice to each other and they'll go out of their way to help each other, which is great. Yeah. But if at the end of the day you have l mediocre shows because the talent is just not curated yeah. accordingly, then 
you're not going to be able to build a scene of genuine fans because when you get people out to a show, it'd be like, you know, you if you curate a, a comedy show with a bunch of whatever comedians and you invite everybody that you know out and you're like, this is my representation of local comedy. You don't want to do that, right? Like you want it to be the best that you can. So all of the people are like, you know, you're getting a, uh, you're giving the crowd Mm -hmm. a good show that they want to tell their friends about and come back to. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't happen in the local music scene Mm -hmm. as much. Yeah. It's, it's a weird middle ground. I feel like it's starting to, get a little bit better but, but it's it's so i don't know but it, you got to give people chances too and yeah. give people that 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 time to grow mm-hmm. like as a stand-up comedian i feel like you need to have stage time outside of like open mic nights to like mm-hmm. grow and get validation and introduce yourself to the actual community and yeah. that's the same thing with bands mm-hmm. but i don't know sorry i didn't mean to cut you off dude no 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 i, I was just saying exactly what, what you were saying with with the music thing but i I don't know, because right now, that's another thing where I really wanted to... I've always liked music, and I would always mess around, but I never saw myself as like an artist where like singing or rapping, but I've always messed around with beats and stuff, but I really, once I found out about like Rick Rubin, to where he really was like a curator in a room where he would like curate a playlist, and even recently with Brock Hampton's new album, like they played him the first three songs, and he was like, if you change that order, you were doing yourself a disservice, and little things like that, and... Even growing up, I would listen to music and I would set up my own playlist on iTunes of how I'd want the album to go of an album and stuff. Sure. And I just kept putting myself in a box where like I'm meeting these musicians, I'm getting these resources, I'm doing an all art show. And I was like, I would love to put together like how Tree J would do those 420 tapes. Like every 420, uh, Tree J from Most Dope, he would get like Mac Miller, Hardo, all these local producers to do these 420 tapes where like, dude, you're hearing Hardo and Mac on a song when they usually went in a line because like with the music thing, you have to reach a status and it brought a lot of Pittsburgh artists together. And I was like, I have these resources, but I didn't want to jump in the music scene. Cause I just like, I, I was putting myself in a box, but then people like Donald Glover who like did stand up and then jumped into music. I feel like it's all emotions. And like, as long as you're genuine and you have like a real drive to it, people can sniff that out. So why not try it? And with people in the music scene being so nice, like, I started to put together like a babyface tape that I'm dropping on Christmas from. Okay. And I, it's so cool. Cause like two artists now I rented the studio time. They came offered the money. They said, no, did the verse for free, shout out the song. And then today a kid hit me up. He's like, come down to ID labs. I'll record it with you. Um, we'll do this song. His friend texts me. He's like, Hey, uh, who all do you want on the list? I have some producers that can send you beats. People are just sending beats for free and it's naturally happening. And I was like, well, if I wouldn't have ever asked or just put myself out there and it shows the niceness of the music scene to where it could be good, where something like you want to make something, but also in the other sense, I'm like, well, fuck, I need to see who exactly. And the people that have hit me up are my genuine friends, but I just need to see who exactly hits up after because then with all art, I'm just doing this for myself because I just want to create my own playlist. And then I've already had people hit me up where like, dude, we should do like these ciphers. We should do these things with it. And I'm like, no, I'm not trying to get in the music scene like that. Like if I would drop one of these tapes once a year, that's my goal just to dip into the music scene. But meeting people like you, who your podcast kind of talks to everyone, it's been a huge blessing because I've had this idea for like two years and now like two songs are recording on it. And it's really a tribute to like you guys who have always just kind of like, I'm going to interview whoever the fuck. Why would I? And that non give a shit where I'm like, fuck dude, giving a shit is literally just is what's stopping me most of the time. You know? Yeah. I think that's awesome that you're, you know, taking that time to, uh, just do whatever you feel like doing and like not 
allowing yourself to think that it's any more complicated than it needs to be. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that hangs a lot of people up is that it's really easy for, uh, you know, like starting a podcast. Like so many people have asked me about starting a podcast Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I just give terrible advice or what, but I feel like pretty much none of them have ever actually done it. Yeah. And it's just like, you don't need much, you know, I'm always like, do you have a computer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We well, have the most expensive thing. <laughs> yeah. Get a, get a, get a, get a, get a cheap mic or two. If you mm-hmm. want to get fancy Yeah, and you could download, there's programs you can download for free. It's a little bit of a learning curve, but you actually want to do it. Mm-hmm. You could do it. And I think that that's like uh, the most invaluable thing that a lot of people overlook. It's like, it's not so much about like, what do you need to do a podcast or what do you need to make a mixtape or what do you mm-hmm. need to start comedy outside of just like, you have to actually like want to do it. Yeah. Cause a lot of times people have an idea for something that seems like it would be fun yeah. if it could just happen. Yeah. But unfortunately <laughs> like you actually have to like take time and do things. Yeah. And it's cool that like you're able to, you know, organize your life in a way where you can do so many different things, but you still make time for it and you seem to have like a, a very level head about it. Well, thank you. No, it's it it's because it kind of happens naturally with a lot of the progression of the shit, and it works out. And it's just because I waited. I like growing up. I was the worst with patience, dude. Like with everything, I was just like, I want it now. I want to do this now. And that's something so hard when you're a creative and you have all these thoughts, and you're like, Well, I'll just make it now. And then you see how shitty just making it now is, and like the importance of like planting a seed, and then like four months later being like wow, I had four months to like water that shit and really give it the exact amount of light it needed. And now it's like this dope shit. And while that was being watered, my foundation is already growing something yeah. else instead of like rushing into something, putting a hold on production and starting this new idea because I have 30 of them a day. So why would I hold everything else? You know, mm-hmm. if it breaks through the surface, I feel like that's when you should do it. And then if it happens naturally, like I've been trying to book studio sessions for like months on months on months. And then finally this studio, Wavy Studios hits me up and they're like, Hey, we love the podcast. We'd love to work out a way to collab with you. And I was like, can I record my tape here? And they're like, we'd love to. And as soon as I got there, they're talking about what they like about the podcast. They have like a huge living room. You go downstairs. It's this huge photo shoot room. They have a separate podcast room. They have a production room. And they're like, yeah, if you ever want to do events or hangouts here. And it's like, thank goodness I waited because you have genuine people to where I can help them by bringing my artists there and then they'll probably start recording there and then they can help me with this and it's just like that's exactly why you don't fucking rush into shit no matter how bad you want to because life will have a funny way of being like get the back like get over there dude you know totally one of the things that is it's kind of a benefit of doing a lot of different things is that as a result for me and maybe you can relate with this Mm -hmm. um all of my things are able to have time to kind of grow because I'm doing so much that like, I don't have a choice, but to sometimes let things kind of like chill on the back burner for a couple weeks. And it's like, I'm always thinking about it, but I always, there's always like too many things for me to, for it to always have my focus. So whenever I loop back around to it, it's like, there's always a clarity instead of like being hyper-focused on only like a small set of things. And like, you know, I get distracted easily, but, I think it, it works to my advantage in the long run. Definitely. Mm-hmm. With the podcast in terms of like a, a, a long-term goal, you know, is there any sort of like 
bigger picture that you're hoping to accomplish with the podcast? Or is it much like me where it's like, this is just a creative vessel to continue to meet people in the city Mm. and like perfect a craft. Yeah. Um, I would say at first I really wanted to just get good at podcasting and interviewing because growing up, I just loved like interviews and especially Howard Stern. Like once I was able to watch YouTube, I would listen like him and Opie and Anthony because they just had like the most genuine dialogue to where the people that came on their show were already fans of them. So they didn't want to let down the people listening. And that's how he could get away with asking like real shit. Like, why were you there last week and not with this person? Yeah. And they have to answer. And he's like, what are you going to be a phony and not answer this? And it like, <laughs> I'm sitting there as a kid, like, how is he saying this dude? Like, this is real shit. And I was just like, dude, I just want to make a podcast to where everyone can hear me talk about like, I don't only really talk about dick jokes, but a lot of time when I started the podcast, it was a lot of dick jokes. So you can think dick jokes and stuff like that's funny. And my standup is a lot like funnier, but I also want to have another side of like all the things I like, you know? So if someone actually fucks with my standup, they see this and it's like the Britney episode. It's like, Oh, it likes roller coasters and you can actually create something. But it's just so funny how like earlier you said we were similar. Cause like my biggest dream. And I was talking to my friend, Ernie B who owns the barbershop in his barbershop. He has like a little stage in the corner and like when I would see Howard do the concerts, I was like, dude, my dream setup is to literally have like an inter- interview room and then a stage over there to do like, because I do music breaks every episode. Imagine having artists come by each week and we just pre-record music breaks or just have them there or like have a live episode with that stuff. So like that would be my dream is to basically like keep that going to where I can promote people or it's just like me talking with comics, but then also keep the music thing going because like the all art show that I do with my friend Ty, it's three comedians and then two bands close out the show. And and that's where I got to have fun doing that. So I just want to like keep being able to do that and then maybe do like a type of festival, you know, to where I could like do a mini local thing with a lot of artists and stuff. Like I just think the podcast is just such a good way there. It's like, it keeps putting me in the directions of things and people to where it's like, I would have just been in a standup lane. So I don't know. I just look at the podcast as like, it's weird. It's like my fantasy factory of like all the things I fuck with and like, and if I see a person, I'm so shy. I won't go up and talk to them, but with the podcast, I can like talk to people. Sure. It's sick. Sure. I I can definitely relate with that. Being getting old is weird. Being an adult is weird. Making friends as an adult is very strange, but uh, it's a lot easier if you have like a vessel like this, Mm because instead of like, I mean, how I mean, maybe not, it wouldn't be weird, but like, you know, we had never really met in person before. (laughs) And if you just like hit me up, like, Hey, like, you know, like, hey, yeah, yeah. I want to grab some coffee. You want to come over to my house? Just hang out. Be like, who the fuck is like? I what is this? You know, I wasn't sliding in, which it, nothing against that. Yeah, but like, yeah, it is hard, dude. Especially just reaching out and saying want to chill. Even with like artists that do meet on the podcast after, where you'll see it end and like, all right, cool, and they'll get their keys and leave. And other guests, like even with you and your girl, you guys stayed after for like another five to ten minutes, and we just talked about shit and we're just messing around. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're just like okay that's that's where i take it it's just like all right that's why i'll hit him up later and say i want to go on your podcast or talk like if at the end of mine we're still talking and it kind of doesn't shut off i'm like all right this is how it is but mm-hmm. besides that dude no I, I i was truly wondering how people do it if you don't like find a hobby and that's why hobbies are great you know because you at least like section into it like, all right these are what these people like <laughs> you know it's funny but you're almost like a little kid where it's just like all right who's wearing a blue shirt? I have a blue shirt. And sure. kind of like searching for it, you know? Sure. It's, it's so, it's so interesting and really cool because there are a lot of friends that I've made from the podcast and from 
the music scene and stuff over the years. And uh, it's cool. Like just being able to like hang out with them, not at a show, mm. not on a podcast, like just like whatever, like, you know, go get sushi, go ride a roller coaster, whatever the hell it is. And uh, I really value that stuff. And I think that when I was a little bit younger, maybe I took it for granted. And now like I almost prefer that stuff. Mm. It's like at a point now, like especially with the band stuff where like we'll get asked to play a show sometimes. And I'm like asking myself, like, why are we going to play this show? And I've talked about this before with other guests. And I don't know if you can relate with this as a standup mm. because it's not as difficult to do a standup show as it is for a band to drag gear across town. Yeah, but it's like, if all we want to do, it's like, why are we playing the show? Oh, cause we'll get to see everybody. It's like, well, why do we have to carry yeah. all of our <laughs> heavy ass shit across town? Why don't yeah. we just hang out? Like, like I don't get me wrong. Like I love playing, mm. but at the same time, it's like, asking myself why are we doing this particular thing and if mm -hmm. it is just because we all want to hang out and chill then like let's just do yeah. that <laughs> you know like i don't know if you know these people that just saw us play a set a month ago need to see us play the same songs again i think yeah. maybe they'll be okay mm. and uh you know working as a band in on a local level i think is a lot it's it creates a lot less opportunity than I imagine you have as a stand-up because you could probably find different open mics and it's not a big deal for you to just go somewhere show up and do five to ten minutes yeah. like it's so much of a pain in the ass especially for a band mm. and not only is, is it, it's just like the they're not there aren't as many shows and there aren't, I mean, there are open mics. Yeah. And if you are like that type of an artist, I guess you can take advantage of that. Mm. But being in like a band ass band, maybe it's a little bit harder to turn down those shows like i'm saying that yeah. you should because maybe that is the only show that you have an opportunity to play that month mm. whereas like with a stand-up i imagine like doing one show a month probably sounds like a nightmare and yeah. completely unsustainable it would suck yeah <laughs> but that's the case for a lot of bands mm. well, i think that's the funny part too because you'll hear even during when i started doing the comedy and music shows is that a lot of the comedians after we'll see the bands playing and and they're just like, they're so lucky, dude. People can have drinks. They can have conversations and listen. Dude, if one word is missed, I'm fucked, which it's like, yeah. it, it's, it's, it's definitely true, but it's also the frequency of how often we can get up in the crowds too. So I think it, like that yin yang almost evens out because your opportunities are less too. And you really got to show out. You got to make sure that the, while the people are talking, they have to listen for you to get rebooked and start getting more traction too. So as much as people like to say it's easier, I think it's like, it, it, it's all in a different facet. You really can't compare. It's like yeah. and apples, you know? Yeah. I don't, I wouldn't say that it's like, uh, like easier from an execution standpoint, but yeah. I, it does seem like they're, uh, like on a, if you were going to write down a list of what you need to do to, for a metal band, to get ready for a metal show yeah. versus the list of what you would need. Mm -hmm. It would be a shorter list. That's all I'm saying. Oh, dude, 100%. <laughs> well, that, that's why when I heard the comics, they would always be like, look how easy it is. And they're just doing that. And, I, and that's why I said it was like apples and oranges. Cause it's like, you can't compare how easy it is because also when we're on stage. We're not playing an instrument. Like we're not doing two things at once, you know? And it's like, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, going back to the clicky thing, artists always like to be like, well, isn't it easier doing it that way? But then as soon as they start getting some hype, they're like, 
I wish they'd know how hard it was. You know, <laughs> like it's never, it's always never good. But that's also why I like doing those shows because then the artists get to talk after and have conversations like this and open up the comedian's mind. That it's like semi the same thing, but dude, something about music though, like going up on stage. I don't know if every comedian wants to be a rock star, but there has to be like it has to be sick at one point just to be able to hear like a dope fucking riff and just to hit a high note. I mean, my shower high note is pretty sick, but like translating that on stage, I just want to do it once. And it's, and I know it, like karaoke is different, but I'm talking about hiring a band and doing a cover. Okay. Sure. Like, it just has to be done once and, and in front of a concert where I don't think they know I'm coming. Cause then I don't know how much draw <laughs> Jeff singing, like welcome to the jungle. Will bring. But <laughs> if it is like a concert where they're like, we're letting like a, a kid who's not feeling the best. Come on. He's doing this shit. And then let me like jam when the, where the crowds with it. Come on, dude. Yeah. Sick. So what is it like? You know, like, have you ever, have you ever taken it in like that? Yeah. So, you know, when I first started playing shows, um, I was my first real show that I ever played. I was in a like electronic project, um, with a buddy of mine. And it was basically, you know, just us with, you know, keyboards and electronics on stage playing like, uh, like goth clubs and shit like that. And, uh, it was cool. Um, it was fun, but it was, it, it, it we weren't like a band, right? Yeah. We weren't a band. And then from there, I I played in like some band bands that never played shows, but we had like, you know, we did like band rehearsal and things like that. And the energy was a little different, actually having people playing like instruments and drums and the amps, like the feeling of it, yeah. the feeling that you get with like that loud amplification. You can like, you're standing next to a drum set and you can like feel it. Like yeah. you don't just hear it, but you feel it on the stage, right? Um, it's It's a lot different, but uh, I started playing doing like rap shows, which was just like me and an iPod. And it was still different. But then finally I was in a metal band that played shows. And I remember like the first time, like being on a stage and just like looking around and seeing like other people, like rocking out as hard as you. And like, you feel and hear everything and the lights and there's people in the, it's like whenever, like I was on a stage with a band band and like mm -hmm. a, guitar driven environment i was like wow like i cannot ever not do this again mm. and anytime i would go back and do like just like a solo hip-hop performance it always felt like something was missing yeah. you know it, it, it was way way different um so yeah i i think we got totally side, well, side lost from though, the as soon as i hear that though like that's so much collaboration you know like each person has to be on the same frequency to create that, you know, totally, I totally. Feel, I feel like finding a band and doing that, that that's a freeing thing about stand up. And that was a hard part about the podcast is now I'm putting it in other people's hands in the sense of promoting or the sense of like it needing to go well. And recently, like Danielle was producing the podcast for a lot of it, but she started a full time job now and it's like awesome. It's in her field and we record on the weekends, but I just felt bad. Like we're both working Monday through Friday and on her like two days off, I was having people come over and it's just like at that point, it's more for my art than hers. And it was one of those things where it's like doing it all by yourself. I'd have a lot of people coming over being like, well, it's nice. You have help. And all that I took for granted. I was just like, yeah, but I do a lot of it. And it's like, okay, but as soon as she goes to work, you have to set up all the cameras by yourself. And now that I'm doing it with three cameras and I'm doing it, it's like, it really made me double down on it. And it also made me realize that like, damn collaboration is such a art and talent in itself, you know, like being able to let go and trust the other person's kind of have like a hot potato effect is so hard, dude. Like, how is that something you've always been good at? 
letting go or collaboration in general. No, <laughs> no, not at all. I'm an only child. Okay. Um, and I, uh, had a hard time, uh, understanding friendship for a long time. It just didn't make sense to me. Um, and I have a hard time like trusting other people with my art because, you know, throughout high school, um, you know, you start collaborating with other people on different things and like even like so I had like a joke rap band in high school you know when I first started making beats me and my friends are you know writing songs about like big fat titties and robbing people nothing that we were doing you know we're just Mm. idiots in the suburbs making goofy (laughs) rap songs but we're fucking 14 15 give us Mm. a break right um fat titties was it p-h-a-t uh no it wasn't no, <laughs> no it's was just just big fat titties big straight F-A-T, up straight up okay. straight up respect yeah um and w- even then i started to notice that like even though it was like a joke i started taking it really seriously <laughs> and like i had like an unusual work ethic and i was really into art then too and i still am like drawing and painting and stuff yeah. And like just being around the people that I was around then, I felt like nobody takes this seriously mm. but me. <laughs> and like I had a really hard time finding other people who I could like trust to work with because I always felt like nobody was on the same page as me, not necessarily skill wise, but just like connection wise. Yeah. Um, you know, I would, uh, I had like somebody film a music video for me and it sucked. And I was like, you know, working with this person was a nightmare. So I like bought my own camera and I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to learn how to record myself because like I can't make those connections and I don't want to trust people with my work. Mm. But throughout the years and through playing shows and through doing the podcast, I've met countless like-minded people who I'm very happy to collaborate with now. It's just a matter of it takes time to find those people. Mm. And also like when you're starting out, like I don't even know if I knew 100% like who I was or what I was looking for in like somebody else. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because I think that, you know, it was definitely a weird thing. Like when I was making, when I was starting out making beats, it was like, you know, 1998, it was like pre fruity loops and things like that. So it was like a much weirder thing. Um, There wasn't a whole lot of other people that I could like connect with and social media didn't really exist at all. We had like, AIM instant messenger, yeah. right? But that's not yeah. like a gateway to the world. That's just no. a gateway to your friends that you have on there. Yeah. So like meeting other producers and meeting other people in the scene, like that didn't really happen for years until actually I finally started like playing shows and finding out like how to play shows. Like even that was so weird. Like yeah. we're going to play a show. How do you get a show? Yeah. <laughs> it seems like it's such a strange thing, mm. especially like when we were starting out, with that electronic project. It was yeah. like such a niche thing. <laughs> but uh the friend that I was in that band with, um, his sister dated a guy that was in the music scene uh in like a similar genre. So that was like our connect. That's sick. Yeah. <laughs> music connects are all sound a lot like shroom connects where it's like it's my sister's boyfriend's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> it's always quality, so you trust it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know um, when you, I think that maybe, maybe we already touched on this before, but like, I guess, did you think it was hard to find places to go when you wanted to start doing comedy or was it just like, 
you already knew and you could just kind of use the internet to find things. It was hard because when I would look on the internet, there was a, when I moved to Pittsburgh, the page ad for the open mics wasn't updated and there would constantly be comments on it saying, update this page. <laughs> and I'm like, the dude in the comments, I wanted to come and be like, put in the comment, the update, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just lead us straight to here. Like be, it would be our steel horse. But no, I would call, you just call a bar. Like I call the beer hive and I'd be like, Hey, I saw online. You have an open mic and some bartender's like, yeah, fucking Thursday. Well, all right, bye. And they just hang up and you're already like, that's not inviting. And I'm like, I don't know anyone here. And that's another thing when you walk in and just like trying to find the host with the sign up sheet or just seeing like a random pen and a paper and being like, I want to sign up on that. It, it's intimidating, but it's one of those things where it's like half it's in your head. It, it was hard until I started doing it, you know? And then yeah. once you go into it, you realize like, as soon as you do that first one, you can at least meet one person or just ask the host, like, what are other ones? And if the host isn't too jaded, they'll be like, here are the other ones. Or if they aren't, they're just like, you'll be up next. No one cares. Like you hear a lot of that, especially in Florida, like at a few coffee shops, like this one guy was like, I booked the best open mic guys. You got to come down. We went and every other drink was made with a smoothie machine. <laughs> so it <was> just <laughs> like in between every joke, <laughs> like, dude, this place fucking sucks, dude. Yeah. Like the ambiance was great, but the back was horrible, you know? So it was hard, but in Pittsburgh, like once you find it, dude, that's the cool thing about Pittsburgh with having like Lawrenceville, with having Southside, which you have enough little pockets in Bloomfield where it's like, it's all close enough to where it was cool. Cause everything in Florida, it would either be like in Boca or Boynton or like South Florida. It's just like, you're driving 40 minutes everywhere. Okay. That sucks. Yeah. It sucks. Dick. The interesting thing about, you know, that idea of like, signing up for an open mic night or people being it's like there's so many weird things about this because it's yeah. like as somebody that wants to sign up you know i would have this feeling like oh like i'm walking into a room there isn't very many people here mm-hmm. you would assume that they're probably happy that there's somebody that wants to come and sign up like somebody new yeah. but part of you feels weird about signing up mm-hmm. and then on the flip sometimes you do have people that are kind of grumpy yeah. and weird about you signing up it's like why the fuck are you doing this oh yeah well they, you'd have hosts where you'd sign up and they'd be like oh, longer night than i expected and i was like have a cap you know like, have a 20 person cutoff yeah you know, weird like, that was one thing i thought because i was thinking about doing an open mic when i first like came to pittsburgh and i was like i might just do like a 10 person cap give them all five minutes just so it's cool because that makes sense because a lot of time at Hambones when i first went it starts at eight and then I literally would, I would go on at midnight one night because it was it literally 32 comics would sign up and you all get three minutes. And so it's just like one after another, but it's just like those rooms where when you first start, you sign up, it feels like it's, it's showbiz, it's theater. Like, Oh, this is a mic. I'm going in it. Then the more you go to it, the more you realize that it's like a workout gym. And it's like, when you first go to like a snap fitness or a 24 hour fitness, you're like, this is sick. Then like your fifth time walking in, you're like, that could get fixed. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I guess I'm using this just to work out, you know, like, yeah. So then, then you're just grateful to have a workout gym. And I think that's where you have to separate it where you're just like, all right, these are, where I'm getting my reps and these are going to make me super grateful for on the weekend when shows are curated for comedy and on it says paid for like comedians and people are seeing it. Yeah. You know? So there, there's, uh, well, I mean, who knows what a post-COVID world's going to look like, blah, blah, blah. But at the time, there were open mic nights that were like really well attended yeah, with dude. a lot of comedians. And Burning Bridges specifically, Monday night and Thursday night. Thursdays were always the best, but dude, it would be like a packed bar. Like the, the whole entire room would just be packed where the comedians couldn't sit down or stand. They would just wait in the bar. And dude, 
it's just so weird. The crowds would just be so hot, and you're like, this is an open mic night, and it's like a wing night, and these people in Lawrenceville would just come in, and you could just tell that they were just, like, liked comedy, and it was sick, and that just really, like, Hambones, which, ripe, I, like, I, I really hope it comes back, but that was, like, it felt like the cheers for Pittsburgh comedy. Like, you walk in, you're comfortable, you see all the comics you know, and you know that it's a good room. Like, even when you'd have, like, five to ten people and it'd be an off night, it was still, like, a cool off night compared to most, like, dive bar off nights. You know? Sure. I think the thing that was cool about uh, the handbone space was like that separation between the yeah. bar and the performance area. Mm. Um, so it allows like at least some sort of uh, a divide between the people that care and the people that don't care. Yeah. Whereas like there's definitely been some clubs that maybe you've played at as a stand up, mm. and definitely clubs that I've played at as a band where like, you know, they, they cater to two different crowds. Mm. It's like, you know, there's, there's venues in Pittsburgh where like for a band night, right? Like the band and the bar are in the same room, but it's like, if somebody's coming to that spot and they don't want to see the band, like they don't have to pay the cover. Oh, It's just like, are you here to see the bands or not? Yeah. And so it's like, okay, and that's fine. I get that as a business owner that mm-hmm. you want to make the band or the promoter happy and let them you know pocket a couple bucks so they can Mm -hmm. pay the bands out at the end of the night but you just have this room of you know it's like a a weird divide of people that just like couldn't care less and yeah i'm not like a a spiritual person uh i don't know about like energies and auras and chakras and things like that but if it ever if you were ever to make an argument for those things existing, it would be in an environment like yeah. that. Cause there's a weird feeling yeah. in the air that you can't quite put. And I, and I feel like it's easy for me to get in my own head about mm. these things, but I feel like that is, it's something deeper than that. Like yeah. there's an actual feeling energy that is being put out by a bunch of people that like don't want to be in a space, but yeah. they're there. Mm-hmm. I think it's like, it, it's just respect. <laughs> the energy that I, that I'm missing is respect. <laughs> they didn't pay the money to see you, so they're like, "Why the fuck is he here? I do not have to respect him." <laughs> and you just are getting this vibe of just like, "I don't give a fuck." And that's the hardest part about like creating rooms because when you first start, you're like, "I'll do this bar" because like we're getting up, and then you realize like art is the weirdest thing. Like we're all weirdos. We like being in our little basements where we hang out with like two or three friends. So we're gonna create this space. It needs to be comfy for the weirdos. You need to make sure. sure that the weirdos are comfy so we can give you guys the best show. So if we're coming into a room that reminds us of high school gym class where all the kids are saying, fuck this dude, it's just not going to be a good vibe. And it's uh-huh. going to be a defensive. That's where you have shows where people start turning on the crowd <laughs> that paid to not even be there. Or you'll have crowds for those shows to where like performing live is such a fine line between like karaoke and like actual live performance, you know? Cause like, and the difference is like the confidence you have. If you don't have much confidence and you're a new comic or a new musician and people don't know you, they're going to look at you and think it's like karaoke and they're going to be like, motherfucker, give me the mic. I'll Stevie Nicks it. But if you have confidence and you're sending it, that at least sets a standard. It's like, I'm doing a thing you can't fucking do or you shouldn't be doing and I prepared for this. And that's something I had to learn where it's like, come ready for rooms like that so you're not doing something that seems like karaoke that's going to give them the go to try to be like, well, I was funny at my work. And it's like, the people at your work fucking hate you. (laughs) They laugh just to shut you up. And it's like, it's hard. It's a weird middle ground, but it it really is worth separating the both for the art. Because I promise you, you'll make more money and you'll have more people coming back for the shows. Like, yeah, 100%. With in terms of like 
uh, writing. Mm. Um, how often are you able to write and perform new material? Because like you're for like a band, like we need to have like a solid 20, 25 minimum. Mm-hmm. And for like a comedian, it's like a three to five, right? So it's a shorter time frame. But I imagine a lot of the time when you're going to different open mic nights, maybe multiple times a week, like you're working on that same three to five. Yeah. And sometimes in front of like the same group of people a lot. Mm-hmm. And like when I think about like playing the same 20 minutes worth of material in front of people, it doesn't give me the anxiety as having the same three to five minute set of jokes in front of people over and over again. What is that experience like? Especially when you first say it and then you go to a mic and you just see their reaction. That's where it taught me to where I forget what podcast it was on, but they were like, challenge yourself. It was a writing jokes podcast. And they're like, take out a word or switch it or like, do like the beginning or the end or just like switch out one thing. So I would literally switch out a word. And when I first started, I'd say fuck a lot. And mm. I'll just say that. So I was like, let me take out some fucks and let me switch it out. And one night, if I was at a bar, there's a little bit more like dirty. It was like a dive bar. I'd say the fucks. And if not, I'd change it. So that's something that would help keep it interesting because if you're saying it into a room with many people that aren't there and the rest are just comics, you need to make it fun for yourself at least a little bit. And you like, cause you'll get tired of it. And so when I first came to Pittsburgh, I had a solid five minutes where I was doing it for three years. I've done, I was doing a decent bit of shows before I left. So I was happy with that. So I was happy to go to open mics and do two jokes. I knew that would work and then try a new one. So that would always be my goal is like, if I'm going to go to an open mic. I'm going to try to like hone and change a few of the ones that I know I want to work on, but then like slip in one or two good ones. Cause a lot of times I'd come up and I would just try the new ones and you lose the crowd. You're the 15th comic and you suck off the bat. Oh yeah. Like, what the fuck? So that's where you'll see a lot of comics do a joke that you may have heard before, but they'll do it a little bit different with some pizzazz. You get their attention with some respect and then you try a different joke, you know, where it's just one of those things where you have to learn that. But as far as writing material, I'll just jot it down. And then if it's like funny enough, you get excited to go out that night because it's like you get to say it in front of someone and do it. So I, I don't have like a frequency. A lot of times it will come a lot more often. Like when I was out doing a lot more with shows, it came a lot more often. Like now, I probably in my phone have like 15 jokes that are like premises. What is the, what do you make time to try to focus on writing or do you just kind of let it come, come at you? If it's like something in life happens that triggers a potential joke, you just kind of write it down and let it work out that way. And maybe you try to just work it out on stage versus like actually like dedicating time every week to just like sit down and write jokes like by yourself. I would say that a lot of the time that during the weeks, like if I won't have a show and it's just mics, it's just me jotting and like throwing shit at the chalkboard and the stage is the chalkboard with open mics. And then like, say if I have a show on Saturday, that's whenever like Wednesday or Thursday, I'm like, all right, I need to sit down and either write out or like organize these jokes. So it has some substance and it has some like, and that's, that's whenever I'll like do a writing, but it's not me sitting down and being like, all right, what do I think's funny? It goes a lot back to like the planting the seed thing. Like I'll have the joke in all those little notes right there will just be seeds in my phone. And then once it's like time for me to sit down and like prepared for the show, that's whenever I'll like expand those seeds and kind of figure it out. But yeah, I've just never been a good person where I sit down and I'm like, I'm like, what's the deal with that? You know, I'll usually just have a few things to where I'm like, dude, that's funny. And I'll put it down in my phone. And then once you go back to it, but a lot of it's in the shower too, where you'll just start like saying the full joke. And like, that's something that's helped me with stand up is like on the way to shows, I'll say my whole set in the car. I'll say like two or three times. Just so while I'm on stage, it's almost like your brain has like an outline. It's hearing the words. So if I see someone in the crowd, I can like do a freestyle because like 
up there it's already going like i already have like the set notes to before i would have waited like to that day i'm anxious i'm writing it down and i'm just trying to remember the order but now the order is embedded it's like a school speech i have the order so that's when you can kind of like quarterback sneak it a few times and show that you're comfortable so my writing's weird it's i have like an organization writing it's just like put up on a chalkboard circle it, and then i'll like try to extract it but i don't think i've ever like written out a joke i think i've done it twice whenever I, the joke has been too weird so i have to like fully type it in my phone because the note would just be like too off the wall like what does it even mean so <laughs> sure. i have to like make sure that i fully describe it to yourself but yeah there's no really like set in stone way sure so now are you still mostly focused on doing like five minute sets have you expanded yes. beyond yeah the, where are you at now so i i've been doing 20 minute sets wow hell yeah shows, which is sick and like before quarantine i was at a solid like i really liked 15 minutes that i had and i had five minutes of like fun where it's not fluffer but like my other 15 minutes is really good so if i would put like those newer jokes i'm trying in the middle and then have my end like I have a solid beginning that I know and it tells you about me that I like how I do it. I have a middle that's funny that has like a callback to one of the first jokes I like. And then after that, that's when I can have some fun with the newer jokes. And then I already know what I want my ending to be. I already have that. So like that's where like the 15 to 20 I'm really comfortable with. And that's where I just want to keep working because I feel like once you have like a 15 you're comfortable with in the next like year or two, then I think that's when like a half an hour can come where that will be like nice. But yeah, I would say like 15 to 20 is what like when people ask me, can you do a show? How much time? I'll just say 15 to 20. Yeah, that's really cool. And it's interesting to like hear about like how long it really takes to develop those things. And oh, it like also, years, which is yeah. Like, and it, it creates like this like insane amount of respect when like, uh, you like think about like some other like top tier comedians that are like, you know, here's another 45, 60, 75 minutes. Mm -hmm. Like, every 12 months every 18 months it's yeah. like how well the cool thing about that i think that if i didn't have a nine to five and like with those comics that are established which they work their ass off for yeah. that but when you can go to like good clubs where the people are listening for the jokes you're not doing the thing like we have with the podcast where you're like going to rooms or having guests on that are like fillers and not you're not growing from it each set in each room they're going to they're growing and they can really use it to be like hey i want to practice like a 15 20 minutes here Hey, I want to go to these rooms and separate it. And when you have a fan base, you can practice a lot of that. Like a lot of my favorite comedians I'll notice now I'll listen to their podcast. And then I saw one like, fuck, who was it? I will think of it later, but I saw, I listened to his podcast and I saw him live and he was doing a bit that he was talking about on his podcast. I'm like, Oh, he's working it out on this. Oh yeah. Like once you have like the rooms and the clubs you can go to, I feel like you can churn it out more because you have like, actual gym gym yeah. like, you're at the point where like how is this guy from marvel so jacked it's like he has the right resources to help get him jacked you mm -hmm. know yeah i've had that that feeling sometimes whenever like you like solo like the comedians like a like a bill burr or yeah. a theo vaughn mm -hmm. who do a lot of episodes where it's just like them talking Wild, and like it, you're riffing i'm like how much of this is going to end up in a special yeah <laughs> you know like maybe one little tidbit of it will mm -hmm. and like you're just kind of like riffing and recording and like you're monetizing yeah <laughs> you're brainstorming like that's fucking genius it's sick, and it's also really interesting too like how you were mentioning like those people just have like resources it's like once you like start to become like popular and you have money like you start getting more things for free and mm -hmm. you start making more money it's kind of like i think once you get to a certain point <laughs> in any entertainment field where it like becomes easier to get the stage time and get stage time that's good and to be around people who's like they can all provide something to help 
elevate you, but yeah. like cracking through that ceiling to that point mm. can get really hard. Like me personally, I feel like I've like, um, you ever like press your face like against glass yeah. and you're just like, I feel like I've been that my ceiling. I've been like, like that on my ceiling for a couple years now. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I feel like it's like Willy Wonka. You just got to fucking keep pushing through it, dude. Yeah. I'll, I'll be your grandpa, Joe. I'll be up there. With <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we can get stuck up in the, yeah. <laughs> stuck up in the cloud. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I mean, I'm feeling, I, I think that the past year has been uh, a really, uh, a good, a good way for me to reprioritize what was important to me and what I want to put time and energy into and like how I want to, uh, what's the word not diversify how i want to uh sure i'll just say diversify that energy you know and uh now that we're slowly uh things are getting back to a little bit more normal like actually have shows booked and things like that uh i'm excited to see like what it's going to be like and i'm hoping that i can maintain that clarity and maintain uh that level of patience yeah that i've been able to learn and become comfortable with over the past year because i was so used to like uh oh like if i don't have a show this weekend i better be going to a show otherwise i'm not representing the community properly and i gotta do x y and z i gotta record three podcasts i gotta have band practice every other night with every other band and like Mm. it's too much it's completely unmanageable in the past year i didn't do any of that but I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I actually feel better in some ways than Maybe I had. Could have been. What I feel like I feel like against the glass was, you know, yeah. like you pulling yourself so many different ways. Nothing was able to like fully bloom. And this is your chance to like the, the glass was fucking broken, dude. It's yeah. sick. You know, like when you Maybe. get back into it, it's more organized. You know, it, it's like that thing where when you get pulled over by a cop, the next like five to 10 miles, you're 10 and two, you're looking, you're like, <laughs> who would merge like that? You know? And then you get a little less grateful when you're driving like a schmuck again. Uh-huh. But that's how I feel like a lot of artists are going to go back into the scene where it's going to be 10 and two. It's going to be cool. <laughs> Let's try to keep that composure. <laughs> sure. Let's try to keep that. Cause the traffic is going to come, you know, it's going to be open lanes, but it's also going to get congested real fucking quick. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. That's, that's very, very, that's sage like advice. I talking to my therapist, we just went over that analogy and we're laughing about it. Cause I was like, I'm so grateful. And she's like 10 and two. And I was like, Oh fuck. That is like such a, you're grateful. Cause you haven't had it. She's like, tell me you're grateful when you're like a year back into it. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do worry about, um, it's really easy to romanticize this idea, um, of like, Oh, like people are just going to be very grateful to see live entertainment again. And they're actually going to come out and they're going to support. And like, I'm like, maybe for a bit, but you know, we're all creatures of habit. And the thing you got to realize is like, you know, when lockdown happened and all of the things that we enjoyed doing were taken away from us, the things that they enjoyed doing were taken away from them too. Very true. It's not like they weren't doing nothing. They're going to go like, they weren't coming to shows before because they were doing X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And they're going to go back to doing whatever it was they were Mm -hmm. doing. Maybe they don't like it. You know, a lot of my friends now, they recently went back to bars and they're like, dude, I kind of like getting a bottle and a few of my friends at my house, you know? Totally. Like a lot of people kind of switched to the opposite, more introvert, and they'll go back and they're like, fucking picking up a lot of weird energies tonight, you know? Yeah, no, it's, there's, there is a thing, um, with live music or like entertainment in terms of 
you know, well, the thing with bars, when you go out and it's like, okay, you're paying three to four times as much as you probably should for these drinks. Mm. Uh, you're around your friends, but you're also like cramming for space or a table. Mm-hmm. You're not, you don't really have any control over the music that you can listen to unless you want to pay the jukebox yeah. to play the songs that you want to hear. And then like, you got to worry about getting home safe and your friends getting home safe or paying for parking and all this stuff. And mm-hmm. it's like, why do we work to have these homes <laughs> that we can host these things in. Yeah. It's like, it's really strange to like put all this time and energy into something like a house mm-hmm. to like not use it to its full, full potential. Yeah. But that also goes back to like people's house being their like little like golem places where like, I'm gross, you know, <laughs> like a lot of people don't have that. But dude, one of my favorite things is like recently within the past year, it, it, it's a little over a year now, but having an apartment with my girlfriend and before living with other people and never having your own space to have them come over. But like one of my like funnest hangs was recently when like a, a few months ago is when my friend Ty and his girlfriend Sarah came over and we like ordered pizza. We hung out, we drank and then we played board games and it was like genuinely fun as fuck. Like it was like cool. And the board games we were laughing our ass off. Cause it was like bringing up different shit. And I'm like, dude, this was fun as hell. You know, like it really brought back that thing. Like you said, where it's like, I'm at my house. I'm comfortable. You know, like we all live close to each other. It's just like, yeah, I, I like this vibe a lot better. And I think that's what's going to help me because that's the other thing with making friends. A lot of other people be like, let's go out this bar to become new friends. And it's like, <laughs> we're starting off on the wrong spot already, you know? But I feel like more hangs like that to where, like, my friend Jake Burkhart, he's always been really good to where every single time we're going somewhere, he's like, I'm bringing this kid. And, like, he's been an outsider, and we're like, you're bringing him? And a lot of my friends are like, why the fuck are you bringing him? We don't even know him. And he'd come. And after like a couple hangs, we're like, oh, why aren't you bringing him? And he becomes a part of the group. And yeah. he looks like a really good friend to like picking a new person and bringing them in naturally in spots. And I think that that's like really cool. And it's like, you need to have friends like that because it's hard, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, adult adult friending. Yeah. <laughs> adult friendships are, are very, very, very complicated. Could you do like a hitch where you hire someone? <laughs> like, like a cool Will Smith. I'll be Kevin James. All right. I think <laughs> that that's a good idea for a podcast. Yeah. Oh, okay. There we go. So monetizing everything. <laughs> yeah. Monetize everything. Just put it in me already. Yeah. That that's, that's something that I had to get over to. There was a while when like, uh, I was like bringing like cameras and microphones everywhere, you know, cause it's like, Oh, we could, this could be a thing. And yeah. it's like, why? Mm-hmm. What? Just like, you could have probably filmed the board game night and yeah. it would have been like, entertaining content mm. but you're like pulled out of it like you can't just enjoy I it of the camera frame. exactly is the battery almost dead uh-huh like, yeah 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 no look fat it's like, yeah, <laughs> like, it's like i can't even enjoy the moment the camera's not there i'm eating buff chick dip when it's there i'm not eating it i'm just trying to live my best life i feel you, you dude <laughs> i fucking feel you so with all of this being said i feel mm. like um i could easily talk to you for another hour yeah but you know we got a there's other there's other things in everyone's lives yes. that need the stage time right now. Yeah. <laughs> and I think we we've overstayed our welcome, yeah, but, you know. So at the risk of chappelling it. Yeah, it's all let's, good. Uh, let, I didn't let's, light a cig, so at least uh, yeah. <laughs> at least we're good here. Yeah. We'll uh we'll pull out. But before we do, yeah. Do you have any gigs coming up? You got an all art show coming up, don't yeah, you? On the fifteenth. I have the all art show coming up. Um I do have an outdoor show, which I can shout out. Thank you for letting me shout this out, by the way. Of course. Sorry, guys. It's going to take two seconds because, you know, cell phones. 
But it is on May 8th. Sorry, my phone's bad. So you can cut all this. So Saturday, May 8th, <laughs> it's a comedy at the Riverwalk. It's an outdoor like stage. It's really cool. That's going to be in McKee's Rocks. And the address is Riverwalk Memorial, 319S Creighton Ave, Newcastle. Check it out. It's like really cool. There's a lot of comics that I know that are like some of my favorite comics. Like you go to open mics, you see a lot of comedians doing the same sets. These comedians, like I get excited to watch their sets because they're really funny. They're really raw. And yeah, I think there's another show at the Comtra Theater coming up as well on the 24th. And then I'm going to Florida to go visit some of my comedian friends. And uh, my sister just had her first kid. So I'm going to go be an Uncle Jeff for a little bit. Nice. It's going to be sick. But but yeah, so I have two comedy shows coming back, which is weird to say with quarantine. But I'm super excited. So yeah, the All Art Show is um, on the 15th. It's me and Ty Danzuzo at the Mount Troy Inn. The podcast is a Babyface Assassin podcast. Check it out please i'd very much so appreciate it <laughs> we shout out a lot of cool artists have genuine conversations and yeah that's about it man all right well thank you so much thanks for hitting me up to come on yeah, it is like one of those things where like you hit me up about coming on the show and it was like i would much rather talk to you about nothing mm -hmm. than other people that i don't know because <laughs> right. i at least yeah. know you and yeah. i was like okay let's do it definitely let's do it well, let's grab uh, sushi and uh have a non-hangout where it's a uh, creative yeah i've done your show mm. you've done mine let's do real life huh? that's that, that's all we need to do <laughs> maybe maybe one day we'll have a maybe one day you 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 could do a hot 15 yeah uh at, at one of my gigs or vice versa we could talk about that later yeah but outside of this yeah now's the official start of our friendship perfect you i hope you saw a rainbow like i did in my head when he said that if 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 i actually listen to this before i upload it mm. because sometimes i'll just upload it mm. raw because i don't care yeah if i do listen to it i will edit a rainbow in dude a spongebob friendship rainbow would mean the world to me so. okay i will do it yeah. hopefully right. i remember yeah if not i probably won't but then when i see it i'll be real happy dope room dope place it was nice seeing you man thank you always always and i'll do Eh, fuck the outro. Outro. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Dude, that was sick. Thank you. Thank you, man. <laughs>